Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 170. Is there recovery on the horizon, followed by more earnings? Dividend Talk is your number one podcast for all things dividend and stock market related with a unique European flavor. My name is Derek from Engineer My Freedom and I'm joined with my co-host European DJI. If you want to learn more about us, please visit europeandji.com where we have articles on dividend growth investing, including 30 European dividend aristocrats. While you're there, you might as well grab our free dividend portfolio tracker template. We also offer a premium dividend growth service featuring a bi-weekly newsletter which includes stock deep dives, dividend stock cards and access to our dashboard with over 130 dividend growth stocks. All of this is based on our very own dividend safety analysis. But enough about that, please grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. Hey, European DJI, earnings is still going strong. How are you? How are you faring on getting through all these reports? I, I mean, uh, you know it, right? I, I love this. It's not like I'm uh, reading everything to the last letter, but quickly scanning through the reports to see how my crown jewels are doing is something really I always really enjoy because it's so nice to see your companies that you put your blood, sweat, and tears in with your hard money. Let's say hard earned money. And then to see them generally doing well, there are not so many companies in my portfolio that are really doing poorly, um, at least not according to my thesis. So it's just really nice always these seasons to get this confirmation. That's also what it is, right? For me, the the annual season is much more important where you can really get a bit of a deeper look into into this. But yeah, it's always nice. And I always like kind of uh, the, the price differences then, right? Sometimes it leads to uh, uh, thinking like, oh, Am I getting it wrong with this uh, company or not? And the other times it's like, well, champagne is popping, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And, but then usually five seconds later, I think like, shit, I should have bought, bought more yesterday, yeah? Yeah, and hey, do, do you know what? That's probably a good intro into like some of the news where we, I mean, we wanted to mention the market. It's been, it's took a little bit of a bounce this week. You can notice a lot more people are more enthusiastic. Um, portfolios are looking a little bit more green. What do you think? Are are we seeing the signs of recovery now? I mean, it is earnings, so a lot of a lot of companies are yeah. are reporting earnings. You know, the Fed have softened. I don't know if softened is is too big of a word, but they've yeah. they've mentioned they're not going to raise hikes again, and and the market seems to react quite positively to that. Um, how, yeah, how, did yeah, it, because... how did it make you feel? First of all, did you get all excited? Or um, so yes and no, like my rational mind didn't get excited because i just got my salary um, uh, here so i still wanted to buy more my emotional mind of course got happy because it is nice after two weeks of just blood baths to see finally some recovery like like okay you know it's not that bad uh, yeah and it, but it also reminds me like uh, in march where we had something similar after the the collapse of this bank uh, we had it last year in november december with the tech uh, stocks all so it, it is a nice 
time to be in because we have it now like two, three times a year that we get these corrections, which are really like 10, 15%. And it's it's good for us to be in there. In the end, we, we continue doing dollar cost averaging, of course. So I, I would say in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But uh, look, hey, this this market is, uh, from my understanding, is driven by interest rates, and and usually we say like, uh, let's not talk about this stuff on our show because, you know, it's something we can't influence. It's something we can't uh, speculate on. Um, uh, but I think this is what it is, right? In in the end, is inflation in control? Um, what about the interest rates and? I, I felt it was so there was so much talk about it with the 10-year yield and everything. But then you hear suddenly some investors talking about like, oh, you know, this might be actually like Bill Ackman. Okay, I think it's time to uh, to wrap up my uh, short position uh, on, 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 on the 10-year treasury and such. Then you hear this uh, Mark Huge, I, I believe, saying like, okay, um, this is a great time to invest in bonds. So when you hear the professional saying it and then the Fed, it felt like, okay, you know, I'm, uh, there might be something that we're nearing a point that um, I said maybe there was a bit of overreaction in the market. Uh, the question is, of course, is this two, three-day bounce yeah. just a dead cat bounce? Yeah. And and will we next week see everything in red, in red again? Um, we, of course, don't know. But what I what I feel and what I sense is that if yields like like bonds are at five percent, let's say, that's high uh, when you compare it to the last twenty years. Yeah, and uh, it's a big shock to the system. So I can imagine that the Fed would like to see this lower in general, provided that the job market um, uh, is not so tight. And that's the issue that we see, right? I mean, I don't see massive job loss around me. I do no. see layoffs uh, in, in our industry, but I don't see people having a problem finding a new job uh, again after that. So maybe maybe really this interest, is, uh, our rates are, are there for longer, but then the question is like, what you often see is like when there is so much noise around it that, okay, it's 5% really the 10-year the treasury yield that we should see because I read some articles that if you take the emotion out, logically it should be more around three and a half percent as an example. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 quite a quite a funny market, as you said, driven by by interest rates. And hey, look, I agree with you on the on the job front. There's like lots of talks of recessions. And I remember previous recessions where it really hit hard where people were losing jobs and yeah. and they were struggling because they couldn't get a job. Now what, what I'm seeing is the price of everything is going up. So when I'm working, I have to people have to make cutbacks, but not so much that their overall lifestyle is hugely impacted. They still they still yeah. seem to have to buy all the discretionary stuff. So it's um it's quite interesting. I honestly did not care less that that my portfolio was going down. Actually, when I got paid, <laughs> my hardest decision is what to buy. Ah <laughs> oh, yes, there was yes. just there was just so much, and then part of you are looking at companies with seven, eight, nine percent yields, and you're going, oh, I want to buy these, and then. We had news about real income and they dropped massively as well and it was just there was just so many things i wanted to buy and i just had so limited cash it's um it was a hard decision so i'm glad i did buy just before the bounce <laughs> if if it is a continuation if it continues but like honestly i hope it drops again yeah i, I really do t, t row price was what under 90 dollars for for a period um, i mean yeah i really wanted to buy some of them uh, 
it was i mean look i'm i'm, I'm whinging because i want to buy more that's kind of <laughs> but zero price on the Honda is still a good price, right? In my yeah, opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. But on the nineties, even better. In the nineties, even better. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, look, so, it's, if it's a recovery is on the horizon, it's hard to say, right? This could be that gap bounce. We have seen this all too often. Uh, a three-day joy in the market doesn't uh, make it a, a full bull market, uh, so to say. I think the the issue just in general for the stock market is that bonds are literally an alternative right now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for many investors, um, uh, this is not interesting, and specifically people that are usually having uh, money also in the saving account that were pushed into into uh, investing it in stocks. So there was a lot of liquidity. Now people can decide to keep it on the saving account or invest it in in bonds so that usually means there's generally less liquidity in the market yeah. which puts uh usually a, a pressure on the stock market with lower multiples as a as a result uh you know last year also we saw this for several weeks and then it went up again if you look overall at the stock market and you zoom out on the entire year i think we spoke about last episode as well it still looks pretty much pretty good so I, I i like you i prefer longer sustained um downturns but it is nice to have a two or two or three days like this to just know that it's not just all doom and gloom yeah just for the emotional side i'm still human yeah we got we got we got a comment to that effect on facebook if i recall today where people are just overall like we, we always say try not look at the share prices and and honestly over the last two or three weeks i i barely looked at my portfolio I, I did not really care that it was in the red um honestly but like it's just crazy how it much it influences people and as much as you say don't look at them i think it's in your face so much it's hard not to so i can understand it um i can understand why people feel like that um i didn't feel the same because i didn't check <laughs> i really did not go on to it like I, I really didn't didn't matter to me um it just mattered when i was buying some what what to buy but yeah, I, I get it. When you're looking at, at the money that you've worked hard for going in and it's going down in price, it's hard to stay motivated. So, I, I mean, we're such a, an awkward species, right? If you tell to your family, and I have it sometimes as well, right, when I'm speaking with others, and then they say like, oh, the mark was down. And, and, then, and then, you know, when I hear this, a big smile turns on my face. They almost sometimes feel like you're 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 trying to piss them off or something like you're that. crazy you're crazy yeah right? you're crazy like what are you saying you're losing money i said well i got to buy much more business for the same money you know how cool is this and they look at you and they think like what a wacko <laughs> yeah and but that's but that's really that's really in a nutshell the life of a dividend growth investor and in then in, in, uh, when you when you think about your circle of friends like we're just a bunch of idiots in their opinion exactly yeah yeah and and to be fair if if you're on the outside looking in and, and somebody's smiling because they're losing money you'll be thinking i'm staying away from this guy well hey dividend growth investors would throw a party if the market is down 10 10 <laughs> percent but let's let's see it's still it's still too early it's still too early to say it's it's a recovery but look who knows yeah we, we might have seen the bottom we might not but no Let's focus. Exactly. Let's focus on dividends, boys and girls. Let's focus yeah. on dividends. So, and this is really great, right? We're talking here about the stock market correction in the last few weeks, but then you know, if you think about dividend hikes, uh, have you heard what Snap-on did today? Yeah, fourteen percent. Fourteen percent. I mean, 
And how many of those double-digit double hikes have we have we heard about the last few weeks? Uh, ju it's just amazing. E just even look at the last week. I can think. I have four wrote down in front of me. I have four four companies with double-digit hikes, um, which is which is crazy. EOG um, Resources, a company I mentioned yeah. um, a long time ago, ten percent hike, but also on top of that, another one euro fifty dollar, uh, one dollar and fifty cents uh, special dividend. That's on top oh, of. Yeah. That's on top of a dollar special dividend that they paid throughout the year, and last year they paid something like three or four dollars as well. Um, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Um, AFLAC, um, ticker symbol AFL. We all know Tiago. The one with the duck. Yeah, yeah. we know Tiago, a guest on our show a number of times, um, wrote, I think, maybe two, three in depth articles about these guys. He was very bullish about them, and they've announced a 19% increase in quarter one of next year. And then we can't forget about our Canadian friends and Canadian natural resources. They've had an 11% hike, but that's four companies, as you said, when we're in the middle of a market downturn with double digit hikes. I would love to hear from our listeners who, who will be getting a double digit salary hike this year, or let's say in 2024. Yeah. I, I would really love to hear it. I, I, I bet you it will be like maximum a handful so if but then you see these dividend hikes it's so clear it's better to be invested in the company than being a shareholder it, it is it is so clear yeah and, and and it's funny sometimes you you see right you might get a salary increase of double digits but usually that's followed with some sort of title um yeah. maybe guard promotion and that probably means more work whereas yeah. here it means no work or the same amount of work yeah and, and you get double digits so it's win-win isn't it exactly 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 but hey, there was even some more news this week, right? Uh, realty income. Uh, what about that one then? Yeah, I mean they they acquired um, Spirit Spirit Realty. Um, yeah. I believe uh, they are acquiring that. Um, I know you did a video a video on that um, about your thoughts on that, and just for our members of our newsletter, and it's it's quite good. But it was kind of a neutral decision. I know it's. It's giving them more diversification, they're saying. It's adding to some positions that they already have. I've noticed Walgreens is getting a lot bigger. And considering the trouble they're in, I'm not too pleased about that either. But it was it was an interesting one. I I think I think if you're a spirit holder, you are probably happier. I know their share price jumped up quite a bit and really incomes did did the opposite since that day. But honestly, I, I bought more on that day. Um I was saying I was struggling with the choice, but that was fresh in my mind with the news the day I was buying, so I, I had to buy had to buy more shares. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, I think I mean, my opinion really simple. Realty income uh, has been making use of the um, of the downturn. They were able to buy uh, a company for nine point three billion, and I know people look at the share price and think like, oh, that's a thirty percent premium. But you need to know that companies typically pay for the enterprise value. That is the equity plus the debt in the company. Yeah, so and the equity is what is re what is referred to as the market cap, the share price. But then you always need to add the debt, and then you get the enterprise value. And uh, what they do now is they buy this and they buy this debt at an attractive rate, so they don't need to refinance the debt from Spirit Capital. They keep it at three point five or three point six percent. While um, I said if they would issue it with a debt, it would be five six percent. But what they have been doing now is issuing shares. Now, of course, they pay dividends. Uh, uh, on these shares, so there is also a, a, a cost of capital there, but in, in, in general you can see it a little bit as a as a spread 
play that they have been doing with this at a, as, at relatively attractive terms. And then that that's what's nice what the company has been doing here, I would say. So I think if the if you if you're a management of realty income and you believe in the future of your company, then while I don't like share dilution uh, so much, uh, but we know that this is one of the vehicles that uh, REITs can get uh, an attractive uh, funding, let's say, uh, to to acquire. So if now the share prices go up on realty income, that means also the underlying assets that they bought and. Uh, yeah, then they've been just creating shareholder wealth in the long term, yeah. and I think it's accredited to two and a half percent AFFO, so that's almost nothing, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, basically nothing. So, yeah, yeah look, uh, I don't know if it came out of the blue, but it's it's an interesting one. But I mean, real income under fifty dollars is low. Like, uh, yeah. We know they're suffering with it, with interest rates. We know they're going to continue to suffer until we start to see them softening but to me it just smells of opportunity yeah the balance sheet hey but uh, our friend brad thomas on the podcast was right right he he was expecting lots of consolidation he was uh, expecting uh, asset sales by by the the big companies where they would spin off their own uh, real estate uh, so that real estate investment trust could acquire it and so far um he, he's, he's been, been onto on. something he's been spot on yeah <laughs> they call him the recoy for something <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know he's not the most popular everywhere because he also, you know, had some bets that went totally uh, wrong. Yeah, generally, um, yeah, he might be right with his hypothesis that he was sharing on the show here. Interesting. Interesting. I actually have to go back and listen to that and, and make down some notes. Myself. Effectively, he was saying he expects early next year the interest rates to cool yeah, down and yeah. the market to recover. So now is the time to accumulate this real estate investment trusts uh, here. And I've been doing that. If I look at my portfolio, like early this year, it was a lot of insurance when the insurance stocks were down. Now it has been more of a bit real estate investment trust. And often there are these sectors that are just in in in, in having some headwinds, right? Sometimes it's consumer stables. Last December it was information technology. Yeah. And uh, I I usually use this opportunity to be then a little bit buying more of those uh, more during that time. Good. Hey, um, let's go to some earnings. And we have taken some non-typical earnings, I would say, in this case. Yeah. But we do speak often about the first one. So can you talk a little bit about our German uh, powerhouse, Bus F? And yeah. I'm very curious about this one. Yeah, German powerhouse. Um, we know we know they're in the global chemical production business. Um, and last, I think we spoke on last quarter as well. And they're in a bit of a tough, tough moment at the moment. Mm. um production is down almost everywhere um so they're, they're really struggling you can see eu has been hit hard china's mainland china is kind of keeping them a little bit afloat but they are they are struggling sales was 15.7 billion compared to 21 billion in the prior year quarter um so that's that's a huge that's a huge difference from them and that's from lower prices but also lower volume as well so they've been hit really hard earnings before interest and tax is also down for for the same reasons um the only positive thing you can kind of say about them is that their cash flow has increased so the free cash flow has increased this year um that's primarily due to reduced inventory so they're not keeping as much stock um because there's not much demand for that um they are spending a lot of capex at the moment i think we mentioned for that site in china so that is progressing um i don't think that will be complete until 2025 so there's going to be a lot of capex 
um, going out until that's built, and then we'll start to see capex reduced, and then maybe some some revenues and some earnings go up. But I mean, they could be in for a tough two years there. Um, reading what the CEO was saying, he's he is pretty much saying that they expect this year and next year to be to be tough. Um, what I did find really interesting was their talks about not not so much about the div. Well, you didn't mention too much about the dividend, other than that it will depend on the economic environment um, and how that continues to play out. They're talking about stabilizing and is it stabilizing? It doesn't look like it, it's there yet. Um, so we might see some further reductions from them. So I would keep an eye on the balance sheet. It is okay at the moment, but I, I imagine that will deteriorate over the next year or two if we continue with the same levels of production. They've stopped share buybacks and we know they cut the dividend back in 2010, so it's, that's not ruled out either. Um, I think they're trading, actually, their share prices around the same price as it was back in 2009, 2010. Um, so I, I would envisage if we start to see them struggling over the next year, we could see 20, 25% dividend cut from these. So I, I think it's I think it's definitely so something. What to watch. you're saying is that the dividend is unsafe at the moment. I, I think it, it could be unsafe. I, just judging from, from the comments, he didn't directly say it, but he's just saying that uh, look, with the economic environment, we're in trouble. The dividend might have to match what's going on there. So yeah, yeah. I think with chemical production the way it is, everything that's going on um, around uh, the environment in Russia and the whole lot, it's it's yeah. it's a tough moment for them. Um, at the moment, but, but you own some BASF, right? I, I do own some BASF, and yeah. um, it's 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 a it's a tough one. It's a tough one to take. I have them at a slightly higher price. They are quite cyclical as well. We we know that. Yeah. So this is probably if you didn't own them, and you could factor in the cotton dividend, it's probably a good time to start. Yeah, buying them if if you believe that they can come out of this. Um, which but what is really interesting is that they're struggling. In the cycle, while you see generally the the energy sector and the industrials are not at the bottom of a cycle, yeah, they're rather at the top of a cycle, and BASF is struggling already. So imagine that now there comes a global slowdown, this company will be will be slammed from all all sides, and and yeah, I mean, because this... it's already struggling now under relatively good circumstances. Yeah, and and this winter could tell a lot from. Europe, whether whether that production mm. is needed, we we might not need as much if we have a mild winter. Um, so it's it's definitely one to keep an eye on and definitely watch that balance sheet. Um, it's it's okay now, but eighteen months. Of, oh, are, are you considering business. selling uh, at the opportunity, or because it's a high dividend yield? But if you say that the dividend is uh, quite questionable and are, are yeah. unsafe, then why wait? Yeah, because what is it, forty euros now? um if they cut the dividend it might be 25 euros yes yeah? exactly. so yeah. that that's my learning typically like if you see the signals already and you're in it not for the high yield but for the dividend growth and the dividend safety then then the question is of course why wait if yeah you lost exactly the trust in it exactly is why wait and look that they talk about stabilizing so i think we need to give it another quarter or two to see if it is is actually stabilizing but if we see further declines um, it's probably a good time to to move on. Yeah. In my opinion. But but if you say quarter or two, that means after the winter you want to uh, after the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So I, I I looked a little bit in a holding of mine that I own already for many years, but where I'm sometimes wondering as as with Bus F, should I just sell it? Yeah, 
and this is Omega Healthcare Investors. And we spoke about it a few times in the podcast in the earnings, but you know what the what the re, what the issue is. The dividend has been flat for for several years at sixty seven cents per quarter. They have been really struggling uh, uh, already a bit before COVID, but during COVID even worse. So what they effectively have is nursing f facilities. I call like the, the 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 last mile of someone's life uh, here, like the last week. I think um, uh, they probably have about the entrance like stairway to heaven yeah you you just know <laughs> that if you get in there you usually don't get out of it anymore in their yeah. facilities and many of their facilities have have the, the facilities uh, their tenants they have had issues and, and there are two main issues one is i believe medicare like getting proper uh, funding from the government second there is a big scarcity in in proper staff uh, proper employees yeah that that actually are educated uh, and, and and can do the job yes yeah, so many of the uh, uh, tenants have been struggling some even uh, uh, went bankrupt somehow they've been really managing it well during those years yeah but on the other end the 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 narrative is just not changing so i'm looking at the earnings report and it says like funds available for distribution is 68 cents which is one cent above uh, the dividend and this kind of narrative that i hear already three years it's really like borderline they've been selling a little bit of assets um, they, they they made a, a a gain a gain on it as well so that's nice they got some additional cash um, but they also issued shares again uh, to pay off debt as well um, relatively they have a lot of they have enough financing to buy some stuff and to refinance uh, debt so it doesn't look too bad from that point of view but then they expect their funds uh, for for available for distribution to be impacting again because of some restructurings uh, many many tenants are still on a cash basis uh, uh, here and and what effectively means is their tenants continue to struggle they expect headwinds in q3 uh, q4 this year and 2024 they expect the the, the ffo to be a bit uh, less than it currently is so it will probably mean that they end up uh, not having their dividend covered in the next quarter but then it comes again long term we believe the skilled nursing industry is well positioned to benefit from a multi-decade demographic tailwind so effectively what they are saying is like this gray wave will come the silver uh the silver uh, i don't know how it's called exactly but effectively all these boomers are going to die in the next decade and they expect a lot of um, uh, people coming in and then of yeah not leaving <laughs> uh via the back door let's say and but i hear this already for three four years and it should have happened now already and it doesn't it hasn't happened i just think that there is something fundamentally wrong in my thesis the dividend is juicy with around eight percent i have invest reinvested a lot of those dividends so generally if i look at my return on investment it has really done me well uh omega healthcare because just the eight percent over those four or five years every each year and i believe my my dividend and yield and cost is 10 percent or something like that has given me this return already at a flat share price and and then reinvesting that but you know you can get other stocks now at an eight percent yield that have a better safety profile so or maybe even six or seven percent i don't mind handing in a little bit dividend to get a better safety profile with dividend growth so 
I'm I'm really considering decreasing my exposure to Omega Healthcare because honestly, I hear this narrative now already for two, three years. I don't see it returning in the numbers. It's all the time the same. So it starts to sound like a broken record there. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say I've I've been listening to you talk with this company now since since day one on this on this show and I think you've basically said the same thing every time. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know how they continue to do it. I think at one point you expected them to cut the dividend. They haven't. <laughs> they keep increasing yeah. slowly. But yeah, I mean. Uh, it's excellent management. Yeah, yeah, that's what we can say. If you're facing such headwinds and you're able to keep, keep the dividend flat and covered during those those times where you're effectively all the time restructuring your tenants because uh, and selling their facilities because they are go for, yeah going bankrupt one by one then then this is just a houdini act what this company is doing and management is doing yeah yeah but uh, i agree with you there's probably better at this moment there's probably better better options there so it's, given the narrative and, and given how it's progressed over the last three years it might not be the worst idea to to move but you'll miss them you'll miss these guys you will I I can tell you the moment I sell them, suddenly all the headwinds will be gone and and, and people are <laughs> dying by the bushes and you know there's just like like money floating and slashing against the wall. Uh, then that's how it will happen. You know this. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, look, uh, it's it's one it's one definitely for you to keep an eye on. I, I, be interesting, even if you do, Sam, to see if your thesis would have played out long term and if their actual thesis plays out. Because in, in theory, if you were to sit back even three, four, five years ago, you'd probably agree with them um, looking looking at it. You would expect yeah. you would expect that thesis to play out, but who knows? Yeah, and they, 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 they have this really well in their investor relation uh, decks often. They show like how many boomers there are expected, to, how many people are expected to uh, retire and what age category. Yeah, and, and then you can just see that there must come a, a large yeah wave of 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 people that need their last few weeks in in in, in server support let's say yeah nice one um we might move on then to for seniors we haven't spoke about them on this show for for quite a while um i know they've been in quite some distress um their share price was was hammered and shareholders were not happy and, and i suppose in response to that these guys have been restructuring quite quite big i would say um mm -hmm. i haven't looked at them in quite a while so i had to get re-familiar with my, myself with them um but what it looks like they are doing is what they are called the consolidation of proscenius medical care which is basically yeah. spinning it off um to its own legal uh, legal entity on the german stock exchange and they'll hold a 32 percent ownership stake in that um i think that was voted for last quarter and 99 percent of investors voted in favor for that and um, so to be fair i think they've kind of recognized that they've held a lot of deadwood and are, are trying now to to change things up um the same with their vizinius vamed v-a-m-e-d um, i think that was running quite poorly so they're doing lots of stuff to try and restructure that and um, particularly they are withdrawing non-core services outside of europe but also then focusing on three main areas which is health facilities high-end services um and health tech engineers so they're really trying to hone in and, and focus on on areas so they're still in the process of doing that they're still in the process of uh, de -cons de consolidating medical care 
so there's still a lot of a lot of things to navigate through and, and to watch with these guys but it does mean from a reporting side of things it does simplify it a, a little bit because we do know for seniors was quite difficult to navigate through and and actually try and understand for reporting purposes they have got rid of for seniors medical care they're considering that as, as gone already even though it's not um but what they're left with now is a couple of investment companies and then a couple of operational companies and um, for seniors Kibi or KB, um, KIBI, which is the global healthcare part. Um, and then you've got Fresenius Helios, which is their healthcare division that owns private hospitals. Um, so that's pretty much what they're left with. Um, in terms of the quarter, so they focused on them too. They actually performed quite okay. Um, revenue increased 6% in constant currency, taking currency out of it. Um, we see a 7% increase in Fresenius KB and a 5% in Fresenius Helios. Um, so you, you're starting to see a little bit of growth there um, from both of those. But I suppose the big news is around the restructuring of the portfolio, how that's doing, and then what that outlook will look like. So I think it's actually one to to put back on the watch list just to see how that plays out, see how that does, because if they can turn this ship around, I mean, it's an iconic company in, in Europe. The share price was hammered there might be some tailwinds and might be an opportunity to to get in with these guys but yeah um there, there wasn't a whole lot more in in the earnings other than talking about the restructuring and and the revenue it's more of a sales update so it's um one to look at when they release their end of year report as well yeah i think i i wrote a little bit about them in one of the newsletters uh that we had for free like um because there was some news, I think, surrounded by it. I just don't remember anymore. It was like newsletter three or 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 um, uh, four. But generally speaking, I am not excited about them at all. Uh, I'm staying away from it. I find their dividend borderline safe. The, um, I think they froze the dividend last time. Yeah, they did. It's just such a shame that such a company, such an iconic company, is now in this space. Yeah, it deserves much better and um i think it's um you know industry headwinds but also just poor management decisions it's, over the last five six years it's nothing but but poor management and look we know how complicated this this business is um and they just struggle to, to get a grips on it so i'm not surprised investors voted to simplify it and, and offload yeah. parts, parts of it as well but look a lot hinges on this um and depending if they could turn that around you it's, it's what we call a typical turnaround play isn't it it's, yeah it's a turnaround play and i want to reduce them as much as possible yeah. in my <laughs> yeah in my so, portfolio so yeah. the question is if you believe they can they can turn it around and and management haven't shown that they can but it's it's interesting to see what they're what they're doing they didn't just sit on their laurels and sit on their hands they, they're trying to do something yeah. investors seem pleased that that they're doing that but we, we don't know how how it will no. play out but good so then the the next one uh, that i think we should talk a little bit about uh, in my case is ferrari maybe yeah race <laughs> race so you know this is kind of like i i don't know how many petrol heads are listening here but this is really a stock for petrol heads right but listen up here revenues of 1.5 billion it's up by 23 percent 23 and a half percent compared to last quarter this year now tell me uh, how many 
tech stocks that you see growing with 23 and a half percent and and i'm not talking about like stocks that just ipo two three years ago i'm talking about a classic company yeah yeah it's it's really really amazing did you know that their order book is already covering the entire of 2025 wow yeah so you know to think about the brand power and the pricing power this company has it's amazing you know they also um i said um um showed again showed off a new car right the 499p modificata and if you look at it 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 is really inspired by by the racetracks right but imagine having such a car on the road i mean you know that that if you drive such a car everybody will be watching you yeah and i think this is the power of ferrari i mean if you are in the midlife and you have the money you buy a ferrari yeah that that's how i look at these kinds of things so it's it's a high growth stock so that's why it has a low yield as uh, as well but for instance their earnings per share went up by 48 percent it just shows how how much of a margin they have they upwarded and revised their guidance yes so they expect their uh, eps for the whole year to be more than 655 compared to 625 and 640 of their uh, guidance while they had 5.09 last year so we are talking here about 30 percent 40 percent more let's say 30 percent more eps in a single year in growth uh, so yeah you get it at the yield for 60 uh, 0.6 percent uh, but also the pe ratio of 50. yeah but a 60 billion market cap 60 billion for 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 a car company that's a lot you know and it's only what is it producing uh, around 13 14 000 cars a year <laughs> it's absolutely crazy could you imagine because we, we know they're linked to formula one that's their part of their strategy could you could you imagine if they were actually winning a world championship or they were close to winning a world championship it'd be off the scale i mean they're, they're not exactly lighting formula one on fire and and they're still able to, to do these types of numbers um even though they talk about formula one all the time and all their reports on the website it's it's plastered everywhere um and i think as anyone that likes formula one wants to see ferrari back on top everyone wants yes. to see that 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 red car across the finish line but it's um, except me because i'm i'm, I'm supporting verstappen with red bulls so i'm i'm, I'm totally fine <laughs> with this but i would i would like verstappen to go one time to ferrari i must say because i always have this vision of what schumacher did like the the the, the really great heroes they went to ferrari and if he would go to ferrari and and then would win the the title it would show his master uh it would show that he's really the best we've ever seen the best of the best yeah, yeah. i don't think that i don't think that will ever happen but who knows money money talks well maybe. well maybe he gets bored at a certain moment and starts to realize that he can step into schumacher's uh, footsteps yeah interesting it's it's as you said an iconic european company and to see those numbers is 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 quite impressive would um, you like to own it I, I would just like to own it just maybe one or two shares just because as a token uh, as a token yeah 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 nice nice nice
Yeah, maybe then the last company that we really have to talk about. We also got a question about this from Hobby Investor. He asked us if we would discuss, um, how is it, Apple, and, and what's our take on it? Because generally, he says people are bearish on this company. So uh, a Hobby Investor, let me share a little bit just about the facts, right? Quarterly revenue was $89.5 which is 1% less than last year. While their deleted earnings per share were up, by 13% to 1.46. Now, if I look into the data, it's uh, really simple. Uh, and I rather zoom out because these were also the annual numbers, right? They have their fiscal year ending now. They sold 383 billion uh, in the last 12 months compared to 394 billion last year. So their sales went down effectively on the products because if you look at the services it, it grew by around 10 percent so it's really like the product side that went down and if you then zoom into that you can just simply see that um i said iphone sales are kind of flat uh, from 205 billion to 200 billion services are up like i said from 78 billion to 85 billion but then uh, look at for instance the mac they, 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 the Mac really, really went from 40 billion to 29 billion. They lost 25% in sales on the Mac, and that's even after price hikes. So the volumes must have been really, really shut at there uh, at Apple. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but actually, I was last week in the in the in the Apple store. I don't even like the Macs that they are having now. They have these fruity loop colors. Yeah. I mean, who wants this in their living room? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like the other Mac uh, Macs much more. I think they went a little bit off track here, um, um, like like almost like this Barbie kind of uh, screens that I saw. So maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. I really I, I'm really not an expert in this. But if you look at the uh, uh, the iPads and the and the wearables, it was relatively flat. What is by the way interesting is that the wearables. So we are talking also by the. Uh, the iWatch and such, they make 40 billion on this stuff. Yeah. So iPad 30 billion, let's say Max 30 billion, and then wearables, home and accessories, 40 billion. Yeah. That's and, a lot. Yeah. And they've they've if if I recall it right, they've released this new carbon neutral wearable range as well, which mm, is obviously yeah. in time for Christmas. And we know there's a lot of yeah. uh, hype around carbon neutral and stuff. So I think they'll they'll probably just increase that by 10 15 percent yeah exactly but hey look guys really simple they made in the last 12 months 100 billion in free cash flow yeah 100 billion uh the the market cap is 2.7 trillion so you're talking here about the 27 uh, pe uh, let's say a price to uh, free cash flow here from this 100 billion they only invested 15 million uh, 15 billion to send it to the shareholders in the in the form of dividends with 77 77 billion in share buybacks and then you could argue like okay they've been buy, buying back at all time high but they've been buying back for the last 5 6 years at all time high yeah <laughs> so you could just say also that they always recognized that their shares were undervalued um, and that they kept it on autopilot um you know, uh, 77 billion on 2.7 trillion, and and just these these numbers are too big to even understand. But it's still 2.8 percent buyback yield. 
yeah so and this is a lot 2.8 percent uh, buyback yeah we had shell this uh, week uh, sharing the buyback numbers on the last 12 months they are buying back 8.6 percent yeah. but they are having a pe of six or five yeah with with record well maybe not record but really high free cash flows but this is just a company at a high multiple still buying back 2.8 percent of the shares and they do this with hardly adding any depth now for me that is very very uh, uh, impressive so you know um, I'm, I'm not buying apple at this price of 175 dollars and a 28 pe i bought them at the time at the 13 pe i don't believe it will get back there but what i've seen over time that there uh, every once in a while let's say every two years the narrative comes of the iphone is dead or this is dead those are usually good times from my experience to buy some uh, apple shares and you know we always make fun about jim kramer on show, so, social media but he has one quote that always stuck with me uh, own it don't trade it and that's also really how i feel about apple just own this stuff if you believe that apple will be still having its brand power in 10 years from now i'm pretty confident you will get a decent return on it you don't need to have it for the dividend at 0.5 because not, they're not growing the dividend so fast like visa or something like that that you really benefit from it in 10 years from now but generally if you want to own it it's it's really high quality company high quality company yeah yeah it's definitely it's definitely not a dividend play at the moment um at, at some point you would have to imagine that the growth will will stop and they will have so much cash flow they'll have to return it to to us but yeah i think that brand power apple is just so iconic everybody has has some some sort of apple device in their home and, and will probably continue so yeah I, yeah here it comes about conviction right so my yield on cost is 3.10 percent on on apple while it's now at 0 0.6 so every time it uh, hikes with 10% the dividend or something like that it, my, my my dividend just keeps on growing but you know I, I I can tell you I bought this stuff pre-split at the time at at 120 or 130 or something like that yeah yeah so my my my, my shares went four or five full yeah I've got a 493% unrealized gains yeah so it, it is just like but but this is this is why I like the value vesting part. Uh, many people say always oh, these are growth stocks, but even these growth stocks that pay a growing dividend, they go to summers, springs, but also through some winters and, yeah. and autumns. So there, while while of course now we are living really in a tech bubble, but who knows? Maybe the price will go forty percent down because the iPhone debt narrative comes in. Yeah. But those are the times to to not borrow conviction, but to have your conviction ready, right? And yeah and this every year there's a stock now you could argue for instance about paypal i know it's not a dividend player yeah is paypal now undervalued or not yeah it's a tough one because there's always um um at, I, I apple at the time as well ah they lost their mojo iphone samsung and and, and this and that and, and we saw with microsoft in the past as well uh, and and now with PayPal, all the, the fintech space is really competitive. But it's not like the mobile space is ne it's not competitive. Yeah. yeah? So it, it's really a question like what is the mode of the company and what are the switching costs of the company? I think with Apple, switching costs are really high, not because you can just buy another phone, but it's about reputation. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not wanting to look like a fool among your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. 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 Nice one. Um, so with that, then we'll we'll continue with some listeners' questions. Um, because uh, that one was from Hobby Investor who asked us to look look mm -hmm. into look into Apple. But we'll start with Adrian. Um, and he's asked, how does high return on invested capital influence your decision to invest? Yeah, no, it definitely matters, uh, Adrian. It's really simple. There's a strong correlation between return on invested capital and the dividend growth uh, uh, potential of a stock. Um, what I've seen time and over, time over time and over time, if a company has sustainable low uh, return on invested capital, usually it means that they're just not making a lot of money on the money uh, on the money that they're investing. So if they're investing, let's say, uh, $1 back into their company, you want to get $1.10, $1.15, $1.20 out of it. it. needs to be higher than the cost of capital. So if your cost of capital for issuing debt, for instance, 5 or 6%, it needs to be higher because otherwise you're just going into debt. And you see this with some companies with sustained low ROIC. This also usually a sign of that they are losing some market power, some brand, uh, some pricing power. So yes, it does matter. But you know you need to look at it over time because sometimes, uh, uh, for instance, a, a company needs to do a write-off on something or, or that, and then suddenly their ROIC looks low. So you need to look at the patterns a bit over the last five years, I would say. But yeah, I definitely look into that and. If a company has sustainable low ROIC, I really need to scratch my head. Usually it's then only if it's a value play that I think, like, okay, this company is like so undervalued that um, I, I can benefit from multiple expansion. But usually I don't really want them in my portfolio as um, I said, because I'm a dividend growth investor. Yeah. 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 Um, nice one. Um, Gene. Christopher has asked us about a company called Sika, um, ticker symbol S I K A dot Zedu. Um, I think he asked us about them a couple weeks ago. Um, they are a global leader in construction materials. He says they have a nice track record of growth, currently yields 1.4%, um, but their average dividend growth over the last 10 years is 14%. And payroll ratio of 50%. What is our thoughts on it? Um, I have to admit, I didn't know a, a whole lot about this company. Um, when when it's in Switzerland and the yield is low, it's typically a no-go for me, um, pretty much because of the tax. It's it's typically not worth my while. I'm looking at a sub 1% dividend yield on that. But I did take a look at the company. Um, they are a construction leader in their field, mainly with construction chemicals. Um, I think they own 11% of the overall market, um, which is... Uh, two or three percent bigger than their next their next rival um what i did like is that they had if you want to their website they have a clear strategy and a, a clear policy so when they talk about their strategy they have a couple of growth pillars that they call and one of them is acquisitions and they seem to integrate them quite well over the last few years um this year they grew 25 percent their revenues based on two acquisitions they did over the last two years so they, they seem to be quite well in in that department and they make no secret that acquisitions is the key to their growth but also the chemical part is outpacing the construction industry as a whole nearly double um and they're they're riding that crest so they have they have this really nice actually investor relations presentation with their strategy up until 2028 and it it does outline where they've been in the last two or three years and and the path that they're going to take so it was it's quite interesting it seemed like a good company um i looked at their dividend 
payouts and their policy, they do have a clear policy. And they actually say that, um, uh, let's say, a consistent dividend payout is the sign of uh, reliability of the company. Consistency at Sika is linked to stability. And overall, the continuously rising dividend payout reflects this positive profit development. So they do have a clear policy that they want to increase that. So as long as they're profitable, profitable they will continue to to increase that. Um, like you said, they have a good track record. Um, looked like they did some sort of split back in 2017. Um, but yeah, it's it seem, honestly, it does seem like like a good company. Revenues were, were actually nearly doubling over the last four or five years. Um, so it does seem like a stable, good company to own in this market. It's just for me, it's too low of a start yield and it's based in Switzerland. So I, I would just give them a pass, but I, I can see the attraction to them. But it might be interesting then for Swiss if, uh, investors if they have yes. some tax benefits or something like that, or if they have some form of retirement account. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, they, they, they do have some strong brands pretty much in, in that area. So it's from brand power alone. They, if I was a Swiss, if I was based in Switzerland and had tax, I would, I would, it's still quite low, but I, I would definitely consider them and consider them a lot more than what I would now. Nice. Um, Pascal has asked us about our thoughts on Nvidia. Um, obviously not your typical dividend stock, um, but do you have any thoughts on them? Yeah, it's an awesome company. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to argue. Um, I mean, it's kind of company you wish you owned at the start of the year before they took that huge, that huge run up. Yeah, um, they, they, they are probably the biggest reason why Intel in, is in such a deep trouble. Yeah, uh, get of AMD. So um, I hope that Intel finds its mojo back. I still own some Intel, right? So that is one of the turnaround plays in my portfolio. But Nvidia is on fire and. What is really interesting is like, look, they had already, of course, the asset in their in their um, the product in their uh, product lineup, let's say, which was all about gaming, right? We all know the GeForce uh, cards, and you know, and then suddenly the boom of uh, big data comes, yeah, crypto comes, and suddenly the, those those stuff really like uh, seem to do well. The technology seems to really fit, so. They won the jackpot with this, yeah. And of course, there's visionary leadership behind this. But who could have known that that it would, would have been a COVID, the crypto boom, and all this stuff uh, behind it? I mean, uh, you know, uh, preparation is half the job. But they, they 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 literally won the jackpot with how the industry evolved. And I can't imagine that people can predict this in, to that extent. But hey, kudos where kudos belong, and uh, brilliant company to to have to own. But as it doesn't pay a dividend, I would look at uh, undervalued companies and, and Nvidia is just too highly valued for me to even consider. Yeah, I do like the quote that um, Pascal left us that the CEO said. Um, I love this quote. He says, I like to position myself close to the tree so I'm there to catch the apple once it falls. Absolutely love that. Uh, yes. Yes, but you know, there are so many trees out there. Which tree do you choose? <laughs> hey, he seemed to know which one. He was standing right under it. Be fair well, to. you know, there's a forest outside if you look at opportunities. But he, he knows which tree. I mean, we say that we can't time the market. But I can tell you, I also can't find the tree in the forest <laughs> here where the apple will fall. So it's a bit of bullshit, I would say, as well. 
Um, let's move on. So Hans and Tavi. So Hans sends his greetings from Denmark and Tavi from Estonia. But both of them have a question around IIPR, Innovative Industrial Properties. Um, what's your thoughts on this? this well, we, we know this company already for quite some time because this is the, the real estate investment trust. If you are uh, betting on on the legalization of marijuana effectively so um that's what this is about uh, there was of course a lot of deregulation happening in america and canada a few years ago iipr went into the stratosphere with that a lot of speculation on this then it got out of favor but hey look at it let's look at the facts again uh, last 12 months funds from operation eight dollar eleven cents dividend per share seven dollar and twenty cents dividend is covered we know that um, uh, real estate investment trusts have high payout ratios uh nine percent yield so the the only question here is do you believe that the company can continue growing that's a com that's a question that i cannot answer uh, because i haven't looked into it deep enough but if i look at the fundamentals today company looks quite solid i would say it's just a question like do you want to also own a position in such a heavily regulated industry or, or even though deregulation is happening but with the risk of further regulation or the risk or the uncertainty of further deregulation because then the question is where the growth will come from right yeah. so i just i just don't prefer usually such a governmental invisible hand over my over the stocks in my portfolio and of course i have some uh but, but generally i like like to keep that to a minimum so yeah interesting one doesn't fit in my portfolio but when i look at what i would say to hans and tavi like ask yourself the question like do you truly think that it has enough room to grow that would be the the main question and if you can answer that for yourself then you probably know whether you need to uh, build your position out here. Yeah, yeah, you're you're basically betting on on marijuana here, and as you said, governments are deregulating it, but they could just as easily put more regulations on that. Um, but you're getting a high yield to take that risk. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the risk probably the yield probably reflects the risk that yeah, you have as an investor. But it's like Omega Healthcare, you know, nine percent, nine percent there. There are doubts surrounded to this. I think it's typical for a stock at such yield. We have it with NN Group as well, with the court ruling that we saw. Yeah, There's a reason why they trade at 9% yields. Exactly, exactly. Um, Kevin has asked us about a Canadian DGI stocks. Um, kind of a two-part question. The first one is he likes one uh, called Canadian Tire. Um, do we have any thoughts on them? And then the second one is our Canadian stocks in general. A little bit forgotten versus the US counterparts. Um, I would say if you're from Canada, no, <laughs> but it, it, probably for investors in the US and uh, maybe typically Europe, at least the ones that we chat to, um, I would say that the US is probably more favorable than, than Canada in terms of investments. It doesn't mean the companies are any better or worse. It's probably there's a lot more American news uh, presented to us than there is. Canadian news, so it's easier to stay up to date with what's happening in in America, um, and that kind of goes for this company, Canadian Tire. Um, I honestly never heard of them. 
Um, I looked them up and they're talking about their consumer brands division. So I had a look at what brands they had and I they must have mentioned 14 different brands. And honestly, I did not know a single one. <laughs> I just, I didn't know. So yeah. for me, it would be hard to connect to this type of company. Um, they are a retailer. Um, they do sell other brands that I know, um, but they're third party, but their own brands I, I know nothing of. And, and they're saying that's the driving force behind their growth strategy is their consumer brands. So I think if you're from Canada and you use these brands, you know what they are, you might know the growth drivers, it might be easy to understand this company. But for me looking in, it's hard for me to gauge that. I don't know how popular, how good these brands are, are they useful? Um, um, so I, I prefer to stick to companies that I know a little yeah. bit more about. Um, from a fundamental point of view, yeah, you, you're dead right. They have a good history, um, low payout ratio, um, and they seem to be growing in terms of top line and bottom line. But as I said, it's hard for me to connect with a company like this, so I, I have no interest in, in pursuing yeah. it. Nice, thank you. Um, and then we have a question from Richard Taylor, and he's asked us, do we have any thoughts on a company called Smith, Smith's News, ticker symbol SNWS? Um, so yeah, 8.6% 8 yield, um, and as Richard says, it's the UK's largest newspaper and magazine distributor, 55% uh, market share, 24,000 retailers where they have their stuff lying there in England and Wales. So. What is really interesting here, Richard, is that I was surprised that, let's say, such a, a newspaper distribution uh, companies are still kind of interesting, yeah? Because you would think, like, okay, who, who still buys? Who still buys this? But uh, yeah, the, when you go to shop, you still see it, right? Uh, I'm usually only interested in the Sudoku uh, uh, guides yeah. because that's what I'm playing all the time to 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 nurture my analytical mind. But um, Richard also says like they have a patchy re recent dividend history, um, and he bought them uh, like at thirty pounds last uh, last November. But he still thinks there's some growth left into it. Now look, Richard, my my the whole the whole answer here for me is probably very predictable like but you need to know why you own it because when i when i hear your story it sounds more like a value play than a dividend growth play because for the dividend growth the dividend doesn't seem safe if you look at the recent history um, there's no dividend growth policy here and at least not in action so what's left then is if it's a valuation play and for a valuation play i think it's even more important to to understand the ins and the outs of the industry and 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 be able to do a really good forecast on how this would evolve and and i'm really not the right person to to give you any answer here look what i can say is that it has a PE ratio of 4.7, which generally is very, very, very low. Um, also, if you look at uh, the market cap, it's 120 million. So we're talking here about a small cap company. Liquidity might be sometimes an issue, so please be aware of that as well, uh, because there's not so much trading going on. So. But honestly, because of that, I'm not interested in it. But I can imagine a, a PA ratio of 4.7 and just multiple expansion to 6 or 7 would already give you 50% 50, 50 upside potential. But that's a question you need to be able to ask 
to answer yourself it's really hard for me to judge that specifically i don't have any brand affinity with this yeah yeah and it's, it's as you said it's a tough a tough industry um i have a friend who lives in the uk actually who owns his own publishing company um and this was two or three years ago and they were starting to struggle um and we know lots of things are going online since so it would be a market or it would be an industry and a company i would struggle to to see future growth in uh, actually something similar to tobacco stocks where i would say arguably it could be a decline in market in, in my uneducated opinion i would say on, on a company yeah. like this um but look patchy dividend history like you said yourself uh, so from a dividend growth perspective it doesn't interest me and um, from a value perspective it doesn't interest me there's lots of stocks in the uk um stock exchange at the moment that are yielding quite quite high i know that market's yeah. under pressure and there's definitely better companies in my opinion to chase um, but if i see such a company right and if the dividend history is anyway patchy i would actually consider not if i would be management and i cannot pay a growing dividend i would just cancel dividend and go massively into buyback at a pe of 4.7 yeah i would just use all my cash flow after reinvesting in the business to buy back as many shares as i could pay pay down debt and buy back yeah. shares that's probably yeah yeah um okay let's move on um hugo has asked us what is the max percentage of small slash mid caps that you feel comfortable having on your portfolio um if an incredible opportunity arises on a small cap and you already have maxed that limit would you cross that limit or sell a current small cap position i don't have a, a maximum in there i just know that i naturally gravitate away from it um here because of for instance the lack of diversity in the market or or just a, a niche market too small or something like that or therefore not really having an understanding of the market but i don't have a particular percentage with a threshold here um so what it means for me if there are incredible opportunities i will always consider them uh, here because it will never naturally be a big part of my portfolio for instance when you look at small caps i've got chesnara and for instance de fama those are classical examples for me of small caps and i feel totally fine owning them yeah, yeah I, I i don't i don't have a max percentage either um i think like most investors particularly i would say dividend growth investors you tend to focus on companies with longer histories and probably more mature yeah. um and they tend to be large cap that's not to say there's not those types of companies in, in small to mid cap but generally speaking it, it is more large cap i think there is plenty of opportunities in small cap and mid cap but i think you need to maybe understand the company a little bit more in depth than you would with a with a large yeah. company so i think you have to have a, a deeper understanding and feeling but but like that I would have no qualms about investing if an incredible opportunity arises. Um, I don't think I would sell a current position unless I wanted to sell it anyway. Um, I would probably cross my limit if if I felt it was too good to be true. I would I would probably cross my limit. Um, Gordon has asked us about ETFs. Um, if the likes of SCHD and VIG were easily and readily available for us, would we still invest in individual stocks? I would definitely have a mixture of stocks and ETFs. Um, I would like to own some uh, SCHD. Um, uh, VIG, the yield is a little bit too low, and then I would just say like I can do do cherry picking out of the what they have in their uh, index. But SCHD, I would 
definitely would like to own that because I like their strategy and the uh, and the index that they follow and how it's set up. I like that quite a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely, and I I think it would be a large part of my portfolio. Honestly, I think if I was starting out fresh, and we had those types of ETFs available to us. I would probably be a pure ETF investor. But knowing what I know now, and I didn't have that opportunity, I would definitely have a mixture. Because uh, yeah. I, I do like the process of going through companies, having a thesis, and seeing yeah. if that thesis plays out. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I would think if if those were available, um, I would definitely have at least 50% of my portfolio in it, and also my kids would have a large percentage of their portfolio. I, I could imagine also like the numbers of 50%. I would always buy an individual stocks as well, uh, because there are just some stocks that I really would like to have direct ownership in and, and such, but probably uh, I would anchor probably at around one or two ETFs like that. Uh, SCHD probably is a good one because there the yield makes sense for VIG when you get 1.3% yield. Yeah, it I doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Then you can better cherry pick the dividend aristocrats out of it that are having a decent yield. Yep. Um, Steve has asked us if you had your younger and very amateur investing self sat right in front of you, what advice would you give him knowing everything you know now? Trust in yourself. Go all in on Shell, baby. <laughs> no, no, just trust in yourself. I've been uh, in the beginning uh, doubting myself quite a bit. Like, am I a good investor? This and this. Um, taking too much weight on on failure and too too little attention to success. I had to grow into that uh, with investing. So, because you know, I've been reading every book I could. Yeah, I've been deploying all the money that I, I could, but I kept on doubting for a long time. And 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 so trusting in yourself, also understanding that you will make mistakes, but it's more not the fact that you make mistakes, because that's a humble experience, but more like how you act after that. Yeah. Yes. Will you continue making the same mistake? And 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 I do continue making some similar mistakes, but they be becoming less and less and less. So I feel like I'm growing and learning uh, uh, as an investor, and which is also really interesting um, because uh, SBT92, if you're a young person, I did a poll on, on the last podcast, and I think 60 or 70% feels that they are not a good investor. Yeah, and I did the same poll on Twitter, and 75% out of 800 people feels that they are not a good investor. And this is a mixture of 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 people that maybe maybe already investing for 10, 10 plus more years. So also that is good to know. Like you will never do perfect. You will never do well, probably. Yeah, I think I think you have to learn to accept mistakes. I think I think that's yes. part of part of the yeah. game. Uh, everyone talks about Warren Buffett as one of the greatest investors of all time, but not everything he has invested in has. I made big mistake with IBM as an example. Yeah, I mean yeah. Uh, it, it happens and and. I think that's something you have to definitely, if I was talking to myself, you have to just accept it, learn from it, yeah. and, and move on. Don't dwell on it. If you lose a little bit of money, you lose a little bit of money, but it's what you do after that, I suppose, is what. Yeah, what if you're like, out of the 10 stocks, if you're five times having winners, they will bypass very easily the five losers because yeah. if the five losers go to zero, but the other five more than double, yeah. Or let's say double, you're already winning. 
Yeah. So it, it is really this diversity that's also key there. Yeah. And I would also tell myself not to compare myself against others, particularly whatever journey they're on, they're at a different phase than I am. And it's, yeah. it's easy. To and get I remember it. you bought a lot of stocks in the beginning because others had them. And I yeah. had it also in the beginning. I was buying Kimberly Clark because Jason Fieber owned it. Yeah, and he exactly. really convinced me. But uh, like Tollgate this, but I never really grasped the company. So what I now I would never buy a company that I don't fully grasp uh, just because someone else uh, made it popular. Exactly, exactly. Um, there's been there's been plenty of times since where uh, Twitter has made companies seem like they're a must buy. Um, but yeah. I've, hey, I've, you can't borrow conviction. conviction. That's really one of the the items you're still talking about all the time on the show. Um, okay, and final question of the day from uh, Rico, and he's asked us: Do you intend to make any wash sales this year to reduce your taxes? So basically, selling a company at a loss. Yeah, yeah, I will probably Alibaba that I have in my portfolio. Probably Alibaba. Yeah, nice. Um, I don't know. I have to check and see what my tax situation is like. Um, I'll probably do that at the end of this month and and see. But I think I'm okay. I sold AT and T this year and I made a loss on those, so I might yeah. be I might be okay. Good. That is it. Thanks so much, Derek. We are at the end of the show again. Um, always a pleasure talking to you. And we got some really nice uh, questions again so yeah hey if you're still hanging on here guys uh, time to wake up time to get to work time to do whatever you do if you still need to run a kilometer i wish you luck because now you need to do it on your own but uh, have a good day guys and uh, see you on the inside next week again see you all next week remember both of us at david and talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education we are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes hence this is not investment advice although we do our best we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct nor appropriate for you or anybody else we always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices as we always say you can't borrow conviction from others last but not least by listening to our podcast you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications financial or otherwise that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast